Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the show. It is Denise. It is February 15th. You are here on F4W Online and you're watching Speak Now Pro Wrestling. And today we are going to be chatting all things AEW Dynamite. We are just a couple weeks away from Revolution. We finally got a little bit more matches announced. We officially have four matches announced. We were kind of just that pretty much had one. We pretty much had a couple of predictions and, and assumed what matches were going to be happening but at least we got a couple more announcements here today um but we are going to go ahead and dive into the show before i do just a friendly reminder to everybody here if you do want to help support this podcast and also get your question your comment your statement read on the air you are more than welcome at any point throughout the show to send in a super chat it really helps me out a whole lot and kind of keeps the conversation going and get some people's thoughts in here uh for those of you who are uh interested and able to um let's get started with overall thoughts on dynamite today because heading into today's show i was looking at the card and truthfully like there really wasn't much on the card that i was kind of stoked about and i thought oh man like the card doesn't really look too great today but maybe it's going to be one of the shows where you don't have very many expectations and it ends up you know blowing you away i didn't feel that way about today's episode of dynamite i actually thought today's episode of dynamite was my least favorite episode that we've had um since 2023 uh obviously we're only like two months in but i didn't really connect with today's episode of dynamite i thought that there was a lot that i wish was a little bit different i thought some of the matches were um there wasn't really any matches that completely blew me away and i mean i've been talking about this consistently especially the last two weeks we really had some uh, some really great shows with a lot of really good wrestling. And I thought today was just an okay day for a lot of the matches that we saw here tonight. So I don't know where you guys are on all of this, but I kind of felt just a little disconnected from today's episode of Dynamite. But I am happy that um, we are going... There was a couple of things that I did like on the show, which I will touch on in just a second. But I am happy that we have a little bit more information as to what we can expect from Revolution, especially Especially given that we are very close to the show. Uh, but let's go into this, everybody. We're going to go in a nice chronological format just because it makes things easier. Uh, so let's kick it off with the opening match of the night. And um, for this one in particular here, you know, we had... We had Orange Cassidy team up with the acclaimed Anthony Bowens, Max Caster, as well as Billy Gunn, Daddy Ass, to take on uh, Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt. So I just want to start off by saying that, man, I have nothing but uh, mad respect for Jeff Jarrett going out there and wrestling after the passing of his father. I can't even imagine um, having to do anything like that. And I know it's something to applaud because, you know, you're going out there and you're, you know, keeping the legacy and family and the name and everything alive and all of that. But man, I always have mad respect. I mean, I had mad respect when Mark Briscoe did it. I have mad respect here uh, for Jeff Jarrett for doing it. So this match here, it really was just, um, I saw this one a lot differently. And to me, I kind of thought that it was just a fun little match to, uh, you know, just <sighs> these are all guys that, you know, we've been seeing them feud. We've been seeing them go back and forth. But this to me was really just a, a, a way to, I, I couldn't be like, oh, I didn't like this match or anything like that. I couldn't be that way about this match whatsoever. So for me, I enjoyed it just sim simply for the fact that, you know, Jeff Jarrett was out there and he was doing his thing. And that to me was enjoyable. And there was actually a couple of bits that I really enjoyed from this um first and foremost i did love the interaction that we kind of got between uh orange cassidy and satnam singh because there was a moment where they're both um you know pretty much facing each other and satnam singh is basically making fun of him for being you know super short which pretty much everybody next to satnam singh is incredibly short so he goes in and tags in sanjay dutt into the actual matchup there so i did think that little portion there was pretty funny especially because then sanjay dutt goes in there and he's like dancing around orange cassidy and orange cassidy and sanjay dutt like you know clearly sanjay dutt does does a lot of the comedy stuff too we know Orange Cassidy does a lot of the comedy bits as well. So it was kind of fun to see uh, their little dynamic unfold in this match. But this was a lot of everything. And um, we did have the guns come out. Now, this is entirely... How do I say this? The Guns and them becoming tag team champions was the big topic that we were talking about last week because everybody 
everybody, I would say the majority of people were like, what the hell? They're tag team champions. How is this happening? We had a, we had a handful of people that were like, you know what? We get it. We know why they did. Well, we all knew why they did it. We just didn't really care for it. But there was a couple of people in here that were okay with, I guess you can say, a sad ending to uh, last week's episode of Dynamite. But regardless, I feel so bad. Well, I don't feel bad. But the guns, I just feel like no one cares because they came out and they were you know um they came out during this match and they were standing at the stage and they were you know being the guns and being themselves and there was moments where they would show them on camera but like nobody was reacting to what the guns were doing nobody cared everybody was like let's just watch what's in the ring nobody cared about what the guns were doing on the stage and so it was one of those things where i'm like damn those are our tag team champions right now what the hell man so they pretty much kind of felt a little bit invisible but we move on into the match um there was a good spot where orange cassidy did the orange punch on satnam but satnam like, catches him and then just like catches the fist and just throws him down um we do see a little bit of cheating from, uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett's side and all of this. Sanjay Dutt eventually gets scissored, and this all leads to the acclaimed uh, daddy ass and Orange Cassidy getting the win. So I thought this was like a fun little match, and they all end up scissoring at the end. Uh, we had a four-way scissoring, everybody, um, and I didn't come up with that commentary made sure to mention that but i thought this was you know a nice way to kind of kick off the show a little bit of fun and whatnot but man in regards to the guns as tag team champions guys um it is not necessarily hot stuff but let's talk about uh the future of what we can expect from the tag team titles uh, moving forward. So later on in the night, Renee Paquette essentially made an announcement that we are going to be seeing, well, originally it was supposed, she announced it as a triple threat match and that we were supposed to get, you know, a, a tag team battle royal as well as, um, a casino battle royal as well a casino tag team royale is what we're supposed to be getting to basically pick the two teams that are going to be in the triple threat however then the claims came in here and basically said they were invoking the rematch class clause so then this match would go on to be a four-way at revolution so this is going to be four teams competing for the aew tag team titles we're going to have um a uh, revolution tag team battle royale that's going to be happening next week we're we're also going to be having a, a casino tag team royale that's going to be happening in two weeks and that will determine the two teams that are in this match now it's clear that they did this um into a four-way because realistically i don't think that the guns versus the acclaimed was a big enough matchup for the acclaimed and it's very clear that it wasn't a big enough matchup and then now it kind of irks me though because here's the thing when the guns won last week and i'm thinking okay clearly it's to piss off the acclaimed it's to piss them off and uh you know further along the story but i was under the assumption that we were going to be getting the the guns versus the acclaimed now that we're getting this fatal four-way and i would much rather see this fatal four-way i'm wondering did we really absolutely need to take the titles off the acclaimed did we honestly have to go about it this direction if we were going to go into a fatal four-way tag team matchup here i'm gonna just say no i don't think we necessarily had to have the guns uh win the tag team titles for this fatal four-way i think that they should have continued on with you know beefing with one another being annoying and trying to get their title shot etc i still think we should have gotten you know this fatal four-way but i really just don't think it was absolutely necessary to have the guns defeat the acclaimed here and in terms of like you know which tag teams are going to be in it we do know that um for the tag team battle royale that's taking place next week we know that best friends are in it we know jay lethal and jeff jared are in it the lucha bros are in it the butcher and the blade are in it um we also got um freaking uh, matt menard and um what's his face blanking right now uh they're in it we um so for me in terms of like the teams that I'm seeing right now, uh, I think it's very crystal clear that we can expect to see the Lucha Bros in it. I think they should be in it. And I can also, I can see 
I can see also it being Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. That could also be an option. But for sure, we have to have the Lucha Bros in this matchup just to uh, make it fun and really spice it up and get some fun exchanges here. But in regards to all of this, guys, I said last week, I said the quote I didn't want to say was, I'm going to let it play out, man. Uh, and I let it play out, play out, and I'm not liking it. I'm not liking it. I don't think they needed to become tag team champions here, but whatever. Uh, I'm going to make my peace with it. I just don't necessarily think it was necessary. I think we could have still gotten to this fatal four-way with some other direction, with it, them not having to become champions. But let's see what you guys are saying here. You, the people. All right, we got S. Morgan in here who says, um, I'm very happy it's a Texas death match and not a last man standing match that would have had that would have had the pay-per-view too long. Well, we do know AEW pay-per-views tend to be incredibly long, but yes, you're completely right. Um, So we will talk about this more later, but it was announced that we are going to be seeing John Moxley versus Hangman Page in a Texas death match. And here's the thing, like we've seen Hangman Page do a lot of, you know, Texas deathmatch stuff when he was AEW champion. And man, I was here for it. I love the work that he did with Lance Archer. That was legitimately one of my favorite matches and, um, you know, a couple of others. But we know that John Moxley loves to bleed and he loves violence. And we'll talk about that more in an upcoming match. But um, I, too, am completely happy that this is going to be a Texas deathmatch. I think this completely suits the feud. Um, it, it, it suits the, the, the beef that we've been seeing between between uh, both John Moxley and Hangman Page, but also um, I, I think it also matches them and like the, their personalities and what we're used to seeing from both of these guys, because it's not like Hangman Page is a stranger to violence. We've seen a lot of violence from Hangman Page. So I, for one, am completely here for it. Um, so thank you so much to S. Morgan. Um, I completely agree with you as well, especially because a lot of us, including myself, did think it was going to be a, a last man standing. But we got another super chat here from Grapple Geekery who says, I thought of Jared in the main event on Raw after Owen passed away. It was impressive uh, both times. Uh, thank you so much to Grapple Geekery for also sending this in. Uh, Hunter Tillman sends in a very generous super chat. Thank you so much to Hunter who says, Hey, Denise, I thought tonight's Dynamite was okay. The crowd wasn't really as hype, but I'm happy we got more storyline progression and matches announced for Revolution. I hope the Guns title reign is short. <laughs> LOL. So... In terms of the crowd, it was definitely hard to follow the, the El Paso crowd. The El Paso crowd was phenomenal, man. Like, they're probably my favorite crowd that we've had this year. I'm probably forgetting another crowd, but um, for sure, they were definitely hot. I thought they were hotter than the Los Angeles crowd, and I was there, man. Uh, I really thought the El Paso crowd completely blew out, like, everybody out of the water. So, clearly... If they weren't good, if the next crowd for the following week wasn't going to be as hot as the El Paso crowd, you were going to see a little bit of difference. But um, I did think they were hot for the, I thought they were hot for some things that I personally wasn't interested in. And I'm like, all right, the crowd's reacting. So that's good. Um, and there were moments like when MJF was out there, they were freaking going nuts. Um, when Rush was out there and, you know, they were chanting Culero and this and that, that was another moment that I felt that they were hot. And then everything else, well, they were just acting accordingly um, but thank you so much to uh, hunter tillman um i also agree with you in terms of dynamite for today um let's see what else we got here uh this is from rymo d who says this was the hardest episode to watch of their history it's like these guys are actually trying to hurt each other a uh, sad face um and let's get into um Let's talk more about this. So um, that was pretty much the opening match, and we kind of already went into that. But let's get into this next match here. This was the Texas Tornado Tag Team uh, match that we had. We had Claudio Castagnoli and John Moxley defeat the team of Rush and Preston Vance. Now, you guys know that I love violence. Everybody knows this. If you've listened to any of my podcasts, you know that I'm completely for the bleeding and the blood and guts and all of that. I'm the first person to like jump out there and be like, yes, this was probably the better match of the night. Actually, wait, no, I'm taking that back. I didn't think this was the better match of the night, but there was a, but I thought it was an okay match, but I did. Okay, I'm gonna have to take that back, guys. I didn't like this match. I'm gonna be real. I'm gonna be completely real. I didn't connect with this match at all. And I, 
there's a couple of reasons why I didn't necessarily get into it. I did get into it in like the final moments. And I think it was after like once we got Preston Vance at that point where he was like busted open and so is John Moxley. Everything after that I thought was pretty good. But the reason I didn't really care for this match to me was I kind of felt like they were doing a bunch of things just to do them. It didn't feel like there was a natural flow to this match. It kind of just felt very all over the place, but not in a way that is chaotic and fun, more in a way where it was just not really hitting the mark for me. And again, you guys know how I feel about these types of matches. I love them, but I kind of felt a little bit uh, just disappointed in this match. And so with that being said, I do want to talk a little bit about Roosh and Preston Vance. Now, I'm going to be real with you guys. I was not really fond of the pairing of Roosh and Preston Vance. It's to me, it's a very odd pairing and not in the odd couple sort of way yet you know the odd couple way and i'm talking like when we had daniel bryan and kane is probably one of the you know when you think of odd couple pairings that's a really great one right this is not like that and i think this is supposed to be this odd couple pairing that is supposed to be fun and you know enjoyable and they're so different right and it's supposed to be ironic that preston vance is out here calling himself a perro peligroso which he's saying perro peligroso um (laughs) I don't like, I don't care for it. I, I just, I'm not a fan of the actual pairing. Uh, I just don't necessarily feel that they match in a way that I'm interested in it. I feel they're too, too different to me. Like you got Roosh on one end, who's this like super charismatic guy. And then you have Preston Vance, who is kind of just, he, he's not at the same level of charismatic as Rouge. So I almost feel like there's this huge just like discrepancy in terms of their personalities and their characters. And they don't really have anything just yet that really to me connects them. I feel like it's supposed to be an odd couple pairing where again, he's calling himself Perro Peligroso. That's supposed to be funny within itself. But for me, it just hasn't hit whatsoever. It feels like To me, when I thought about this pairing, I started thinking, really? Like of all the other guys out there and all of the other pairings that could have been done, I just don't see Roosh and Preston Vance there yet. Now, I could be wrong. This could completely grow on me in a couple of weeks, but based on what I've been seeing thus far, it still hasn't necessarily hit for me. So I'm a little bit on the opposite end of this one, guys. Uh, I'm not really feeling this one. And let's see, there were some moments that I loved and really all of them include any sort of interaction that we got between Claudio and Roosh. Anytime we got Claudio and Roosh in this match together, Ooh, that's when I was kind of feeling it and I was digging what they did there. I I did like that. Um, I thought it was really funny though, because at one point we go to picture and picture break and then we come back and John Moxley's completely busted open. And it was funny because before we left to picture and picture, like he wasn't bleeding. We came back and he was busted open. So I did think that was funny. Preston Vance did bleed a whole lot. Like he was freaking busted open. I did like the part where uh, Cesaro, I mean, Claudio got, him in the uh, big swing and literally he's like busted open he's bleeding he's holding on to that wound and he's being swung like imagine bleeding and being swung like that's pretty impressive but um where am I at with the rest of this there were again like I said there were some good moments I did like um I did love when both teams were exchanging uh forearms and then we saw that suplex spot afterwards I thought that was good we did see Jose the assistant get involved in this match and hit Claudio with a chair shot to the back uh finally that we see Claudio spear Rouge and they did give this match a lot of time which I did appreciate them doing that but um we I also liked so Claudio at one point gets Preston Vance with a ton of, um, he wraps the chain around his fist and just starts punching him and punching him. And commentary pointed out how this is not something that we normally see Claudio do. And then he just kind of goes all out and starts hitting him like crazy. I did think that part was a lot of, uh, was pretty funny. And I did like the ending too, with the way that, um, with the way that we had John Moxley submit Preston Vance. So while there were some good highlights in this match, I did think that it just didn't necessarily hit the mark for me, especially with this type of matchup. So it was, oh, 
K, but I'm going to need a lot more to be convinced with this pairing of Rouge and Preston Vance. So let's see where people are on all of this and see how um, people think here. Um, let's see. I don't know if people are, um, I don't know if people are going to agree or disagree. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, this is from official Matt games who says Rush is great, but he seemingly doesn't like to sell and not be number one. Um, <laughs> let's see what else we got here and see what else people are saying about this. Uh, major blood says it was always weird to add Vance to the group. Yeah, it was definitely weird, but let's see what else. Alexis, please. Alexis P says, I think Preston was added to the group to have an English speaker, but he can't talk either. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a super odd pairing guys honestly it's a super odd pairing uh i'm still not completely here for it so that's where i was on all of this all right so also after this so the during this match we were seeing hangman page watch from the back and all of that and he ends up getting attacked by the butcher and the blade and kip sabian and all of that so um let's move on because this next part of the show i really really loved so I've been out here pretty much saying every single week that, man, I really wasn't looking forward to seeing, because we know that Wardlow Samoa Joe um, is going to lead to uh, Wardlow most likely winning the title. And they officially made that match official for AW Revolution. And one of the things that I had been saying the past couple of weeks was due to uh, Wardlow's previous reign as champion, I lost a lot of interest in Wardlow. I didn't think that they really uh, made his reign feel feel hot like I wasn't interest, interested in it I thought that they um I just completely lost interest and so I didn't mind Wardlow becoming TNT champion again but only if they switch things up if only they made things feel different for Wardlow I didn't want to see the exact same match over and over again so that was one of the things that I said was I don't want to see the same thing with Wardlow but that being said I loved 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 the sit down that he did with Jim Ross. I thought that what they did here was connect Wardlow, reconnect Wardlow to the people by sharing a, a very deep and personal story. So Wardlow gets personal here and we kind of learn a lot more about him and maybe some of the more serious things. And also it added to the feud. And so let me tell you how this went down. So First of all, Wardlow looks incredibly different without the hair. Uh, I love it. He looks great. But anyways, um, so Wardlow is talking about his father. And he's talking about how his father was in his life, you know, in his early, uh, his early childhood years. But then after the age of eight, him and his father, you know, they, you know, his father went away and they didn't have a relationship. And then later on in his life, his father came came back into his life and they started to have a uh, relationship again as father and son and then after that right when they were kind of you know getting their relationship you know to be to, to become something or not become something but once they were you know having they were in communication again you he then finds out that his dad has a uh, stage four cancer so he ends up you know dealing with all of that goes to the hospital everything and then he says that when his dad was in the hospital he basically saw everything be taken away from him that includes his hair and all of that he then talks about how he told his father that he was going to make it one day in wrestling that he was going to make it and um that he would be a better man and all of that and that ended up being the last thing that he said to his father and his father then passed away. So he then says, that's why I grew out my hair. That's why you saw the facial hair. I did that because I saw all of that be taken away from my father. So then this gets tied in to the Samoa Joe feud. Cause then he says, you know, he gives us a story as to why his hair meant something to him. And then he says, Samoa Joe, took that away from me. And so you're thinking like, oh man, this is really getting personal now. So they took a very personal story from Wardlow's life and incorporated that into this feud with Samoa Joe and Wardlow. And that instantly 
to me brought on like a whole new life into this feud. It brought a whole new uh, perspective. It made you care about why why Samoa Joe cut Wardlow's hair off. It was already messed up, right? Because nobody wants to get their hair cut off by anybody without their consent, right? So you were already thinking like, oh, that's pretty messed up that Samoa Joe did that. But then now you have this whole entire backstory and uh, that made you want to root for Wardlow. That made you want to root for Wardlow. Uh, there's no way you cannot root for Wardlow after he went and told this whole entire story. So I love this. I love how personal this got. And I also thought it was perfect timing to officially announce the match for Revolution. So at least now I'm thinking, okay, you know, I feel a lot better going into this match. Wardlow winning this match and uh, seeing what they do with him as champion uh, in his second reign. But let's see what you guys are saying here. This was a um, super chat from Sheldon Jackson. Thank you so much to Sheldon. He says, I just want to see um, LFI and LIJ interact with each other at a in AEW at some point. I'm sure you do. I think a lot of people would love to see that. Uh, thank you so much to Sheldon Jackson for sending that in. Um, I know a lot of people are saying, by the way, that this segment was sad, but it was also good. It, it is weird to say because I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, sa a sad story. You know, how do I say this? It's a sad freaking story, man. It, it, it's sad, but at the same time, it's like, well, this kind of helped out the feud. But then at the same time, you're like, oh, that's like not something you want to say, right? So it, so it is a, a hard topic, you know, to kind of incorporate into storyline because you got real life that's serious and then you got something that's storyline. But it came together, as someone pointed out, maybe a little, uh, you know, a reset for a Wardlow there. Uh, we got a super chat here from uh, Taylor Cannon. Thank you so much to Taylor who says, uh, Tony Khan just tweeted that Mark Briscoe is all elite. That makes me happy. Um, oh, that's so good. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that. Let me actually go to uh, Tony Khan's Twitter page. Um, one second. Oh, man, here we go. Yeah, he just tweeted, um, Mark Briscoe earned his second win on TBS on AEW Dynamite tonight, and now it's official. Mark Briscoe is all elite. That is great to hear, man. That is great to hear. Thank you to Taylor uh, for sending this in or not. I would have not seen it until after the show. Uh, so thank you so much to Taylor for also sending that in. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and get into our next match here. Um, minus perfect timing, because this next match was the Mark Briscoe match against Josh Woods. Now, um, earlier I said that at first I was thinking that I was going to go with the um, Claudio-John Moxley match. It's probably the better match of the night, but then I remembered that this match happened, and I thought that this match was better. It was different. It was different. I connected with this match just a little bit more. And so let's talk about this one. So I want to start off with Josh Woods because, you know, we've been seeing Josh Woods here and there on AEW television and, and, you know, also, you know, Ring of Honor television and all of that, right? But personally, I was really disinterested in Josh Woods. Like they hadn't really done anything that I thought, oh, I'm a fan of Josh Woods or anything like that. Like in particular with what we were seeing, they hadn't really done anything to necessarily convince me. Um otherwise to make me feel otherwise and so personally I was very disinterested in Josh Woods at the you know I wasn't interested and so they built I love the way that they set this match up it was on rampage and they made sure to show the replay of that today where they you know they were talking smack to Mark Briscoe so that led to this match here this is his second match um on AEW television and this one I thought was pretty good because I really liked I really liked a lot of what they did here and I thought that Josh Woods also looked really good in this and I also thought that he needed to because again I was somebody that wasn't interested in Josh Woods so I love the spot where he did that corkscrew um corkscrew suplex to the outside of the ring to Mark Briscoe. I thought that looked pretty damn cool. I really love that. Briscoe doing his cannonball over the top rope. Enjoyed that. At one point, he tries to do the J driller, but uh, but Josh Woods ends up rolling out. I really loved the way that that like that all of that looked. I thought that looked really smooth. So that was something that I was a big fan of. I also loved the knee strike from Josh Woods to Briscoe. I thought that part was really good. I, I thought he hit it really nicely we saw an insecurity from briscoe to woods we saw briscoe hit the death valley driver and then officially um you know gets the win so for me it was a match that i thought um you know served justice for mark briscoe but also it made a josh woods 
become a little bit more interesting to me. So, so personally speaking, I was a fan of this match and I'm glad that they officially made uh, Mark Briscoe all elite. And after this match, he did make sure to once again, talk to the camera and just basically, um, you know, tell his brother that he loved him. And then also added that, you know, he was going to keep, you know, he was going to keep the career keep keep this career going he was going to keep going strong and all of that so that was definitely nice uh to see for sure so i was a fan of that guys um i thought it was a good match and yeah i think everybody here pretty much agrees with that as well um really agree our rigs here says a uh, good match but i really don't care about josh woods he needs something different and that stable completely misses um yeah i can't disagree but this was probably on the better side of things that we've seen for josh woods um and zeno hour says josh woods is a good talent i'm glad he got to showcase his skills against mark briscoe um agree with that as well uh justin martin says it's just great to see mark briscoe having a regular match on AWTV. i look forward to seeing this to seeing this more in the future agree i can't wait i think there's going to be a lot of really fun uh you know combinations and matches that you can be seen uh done um but let's go ahead and move on from this because it's time to get them predictions in everybody so adam cole uh they teased that he is going to be having a match at revolution a while back so we're assuming his his return match is going to be at revolution and we still don't know who his opponent is going to be so he did this sit down interview with renee paquette and they pretty much teased that we were going to kind of find out the opponent today but we didn't find out the opponent. Uh, all Adam Cole basically said is that he's happy to be back and he's learning to celebrate all of his uh, many victories, right? He's talking about how he's able to move his his right eye, that it doesn't twitch anymore. He's not throwing up, you know, anytime he gets in a car anymore. And to him, that's definitely a celebration. And so he's definitely feeling happy. And then in regards to his opponents, Renee asks him, you know, do you want to tell us? But he says no, but he does put over the roster. He puts over the AEW roster and he says he has a lot of good ideas on who he wants to be in the ring with. He says it's going to be good for AEW once he is uh, back in the ring and all of that. So in terms of this, I feel that obviously the big name that everybody is mentioning and everybody's throwing out there is Jay White. And Jay White, as we know, is a big enough star, especially with the AEW audience, to be that person to just come in and have this match with Jay White at AEW Revolution. Uh, his contract, I believe, expires at the end of this month. And he's already going to be, uh, he's, he already had his farewell match in, in Japan. And uh, he's working the San Jose show. So and that's all we know right now. Like after that, we don't got anything else. We don't got any other information. That's pretty much it. So it does seem possible that it can be jay white but then again you don't know is he gonna go to aw is he gonna go to wwe we don't know whatever so he is the big name i do think that there i'm hoping that it is him and i'm gonna be a little bit honest i'm gonna be a little bit disappointed if it's not and i think a lot of people are not because they've teased it or anything really but more so just because i think that would feel like a big deal and uh i feel that based on any time you're kind of you know keeping the opponent close to wraps and you're not you know revealing the name and you're making people hang on to it each time you do that and each week that goes by and we still don't have a name and we still don't got a name, we kind of get our hopes up a little bit higher on who this person is going to be. Now, I was trying to think of other people that are not Jay White that let's just say sticking to the AEW roster, who could be that opponent for Adam Cole, baby? And so um, I saw somebody pulling out uh, Takeshita and I thought about it and I'm like, okay, like that would be good because Takeshita's out there. We've been seeing him, uh, you know, wrestle and he's been having great matches and he's starting to be featured a little bit more on AEW television. I wouldn't hate that. And I know the match would be good, right? Um, other names that I was thinking about, but I don't, here's the thing. As I ran through the whole roster, I was looking through everybody's name and I was thinking who can honestly be in this match. And there really wasn't anybody else that I was kind of thinking like, oh yeah, this is the person. Cause 
even if we want to see that match with Adam Cole, they're already doing another storyline or this is probably the direction that they're going to go in with that person. And just some things didn't necessarily make sense just yet. Um, some other names that I was thinking and I'm not even too positive about, but I was thinking, well, it would be cool to see Bandito versus Adam Cole, but I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, Pac versus Adam Cole would be cool too, but I, I'm not so sure that they're going to go that direction. Um, so like all the other options, I'm not completely sold on. So um, let's see what else we got and uh, what people are saying. Some uh, Alexis P points out Kota Ibushi. Uh, we all know that he's officially, uh, you know, done with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, but yeah, guys, I just, man, I don't know, guys. Um, Zeno Hour says Orange Cassidy doesn't have an opponent for Revolution. Uh, that is true. He doesn't have anybody right now. So there you go. That's maybe somebody else. But who knows? Maybe they can work him into something else. Uh, <laughs> Manu Kalp, uh, Manu Kalp, Kalpa says CM Punk uh, could be. I don't think so, guys. I don't think so. Although if it was, I would tell you I'd be pretty freaking stoked, though, because you guys know I'm a CM Punk fan, and I would be very excited about that. But uh, again, I just don't know. It feels like not a possibility at this time. But at least to me, it feels like it's not a possibility at this time. But I could be wrong, guys. I could be completely wrong. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying. This is from Justin Martin who says, if they sign Jay White, that would be a great choice. As for someone currently on the AEW roster, I really have no idea. Maybe Pac or Jay Lethal. Well, Jay Lethal is most likely going to be, um, he's my guess for being in the uh, the four-way with along with uh, Jeff Jarrett. That's my guess. So I'm kind of ruling him out on this spot here. Uh, Pac. I do think could possibly be an option just for the sake of you'd get a really great match out of them. So again, I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and uh, press on from here and let's get into um, everything that occurred with MJF. So we got MJF going out there and he's um, once again, getting super loud Guleto chants, which is really funny. Uh, he starts trashing the crowd saying that, you know, all these people, they used to be devil worshiper, worshipers which is what he was calling his fans for a bit and uh calls everybody disgusting monsters and that he turned on the fans before they can turned on him so he's talking all this shit and the crowd's like doing really loud uh stfu chants and um this is where i thought the crowd was really hot i thought they were really great at reacting here to mjf it felt like a big deal that he was out there so i really liked the way the crowd reacted to mjf here um but he pretty much tells everybody you know i hate that brian danielson has all of you people convinced that he's better than me because he's not and i'm the better wrestler and this definitely got the crowd even hotter because they start doing yes chance and you know he's saying he's the best wrestler in the world and they're all pissed and they're not agreed and this was really great at one moment the crowd uh you know kind of sings along with his catchphrase and i loved mjf when he said he said um this ain't a sing along with mjf shut your mouth I thought that was pretty dang hilarious. Uh, that was really funny. But anyways, this all led to Christopher Daniels going out there and pretty much having this confrontation with MJF. And he basically tells, he reveals to all of us that MJF tried to pay him uh, money to come out there and bury Brian Danielson. But Christopher Daniels says, I'm not going to do that. That's not the person that I am any, uh, that I am. And I'm not going to bury Brian Danielson. He says, in fact, Brian Danielson is going to knock your dick in the dirt. And he starts going on about how, you know, he wrestled Brian Danielson when Brian Danielson was only 20 years old, that he hit him so hard that he realized that Brian Danielson was going to be great. He talks about the King of Indies tournament from 2001 that ended up uh, inspiring the creation of Ring of Honor and how Ring of Honor, uh, you know, Basically, all of that led to everything that happened with the evolution of wrestling ended up leading to AEW, which ended up leading to MJF. And so basically giving Brian Danielson a lot of credit for, uh, you know, just everything that ended up happening, you know, within wrestling, right? So that was pretty much what Christopher Daniels was talking about here. Um, and then... Um, Christopher Daniels basically tells MJF that all MJF wants is 
to be like Brian Danielson and that he wishes he was like Brian Danielson and that that's why he hates him so much. So MJF gets super pissed and he smacks the microphone out of the hands of Christopher Daniels. And then I really liked this exchange too, because Christopher Daniels like literally just like pitch slaps MJF. And so finally MJF comes out there, gets him with the salt of the earth and uh, Brian Danielson ends up running him off. So this was really, really good. I really enjoyed uh, the ending and I think that Christopher Daniels like I wasn't expecting Daniels to go out there and be the person uh, I wasn't expecting him here but I love that he was that person because he does know and has you know history with Brian Danielson and so he was the perfect person to go out there and you know talk about Brian and talk about his past and talk about his contributions to pro wrestling and uh basically saying why Brian Danielson is the best wrestler in the world and better than MJF so I did like how they used Christopher Daniels in this role and I'm curious I still don't know what my prediction is for this match between MJF and Brian Danielson, because, you know, Brian Danielson did do um, a vignette earlier in the night where he basically said that, you know, MJF doesn't have the heart. He doesn't have the passion that Brian Danielson has to go all the way to do those full 60 minutes. And so I'm a little bit like, man, what do we do here at revolution? I'm still a little bit undecided. I can't imagine MJF, completely clean getting a clean victory on Brian Danielson I don't see that happening um but I also don't know if I necessarily see MJF already losing the AEW world championship so I'm a little bit torn here on what I think is going to go down um I'm hoping that by next week I have a better idea on or, or rather a better prediction on what I think is going to happen between MJF and Brian Danielson. Um, I would love to see Brian Danielson as a W champion. I think we all know that we will. Uh, I know that Brian Danielson not too long ago, he did an interview. I forgot with who though. But he basically said that uh, he's not really in it to be AEW world champion. Like if they wanted him to be champion, he would, but he's really in there just to have like competitive matches and be great and all of this. But the fans, we want to see Brian Danielson as a W world champion. I think if we don't get Brian Danielson as a W world champion, we would feel like we got robbed. And I don't want to get robbed of that moment. And I don't think a lot of other people want to get robbed from that moment. But again, MJF, is it too soon to already end his reign as a W world champion? I don't know. I don't know. Um, man. Uh, let's see what people are saying here. Uh, there's just pretty much uh, Vance Rawlings predicts that MJF is winning over Brian Danielson for sure. Um, I don't, I don't feel that way because I went into this thinking, you know what? It's going to be Brian Danielson defeating MJF. And I don't know that I feel that anymore. So we'll see. Um, all right. So moving on from this afterwards, we ended up getting a match between uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry against Brian Cage. Now, I thought this match was all right. There were some good moments here, um, but it was pretty a pretty quick match. We see Brian Cage powerbomb Jack Perry, and then afterwards, uh, Jack Perry ends up doing a uh, diving splash onto Brian Cage. It's a near fall. He then hits... Um, a Death Valley driver, another near fall, and then a super kick from Page, um, from Page, um, from from Jungle Boy to uh, Brian Cage, and then a crucifix, and then afterwards, uh, he ends up getting him with a elbow to the back of the head, and finally rose up Cage and gets the win. So it was a pretty quick victory, um, for Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and a good victory at that because Brian Cage has been being presented a whole lot better in the last couple of uh, weeks, months. Um, so for him to get a win against Brian Cage, I thought was a pretty solid one at that. Um, a quick one, but a solid good little win for him for sure. Um, and Jungle Boy has been on a he has won all of his singles matches since that match that he had with Luchasaurus. So he's been, you know, pretty much picking up them when he's already know. We already know that he's going after the gold. He's basically been telling us this. But so I'm thinking here at this point, I'm thinking, okay, he's going for gold. We'll see what happens. And then to our surprise, Christian Cage. Christian Cage is back. We haven't seen him, I think, since was it all out? I don't know. It's been a while. We have not seen Christian Cage. 
we haven't seen Christian Cage in a hot minute. It's been months. Um, but anyway, so Christian Cage returns. You know, he was he was injured. He had the the sling in his arm and this and that, right? And so he goes out there, attacks Jungle Boy, reveals that he's no longer injured. And from the looks of it, it looks like we're going to be seeing Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy Revolution. They haven't actually made it official, but from the sounds of it, that is definitely what we're most likely uh, going to be getting at Revolution. Um, now, we did see them wrestle already at All Out, Christian Cage getting that victory, but we do need to see, I think, Jungle Boy eventually, you know, we need to see Jungle Boy get his win over Christian Cage, so I'm totally cool, um, I'm totally cool with them circling back to this and him defeating Christian Cage is going to really uh, just add a whole lot to Jungle Boy. So I'm totally here for this. I was very happy that uh, Christian Cage is back because really Jungle Boy and Christian Christian Cage have really had their best um, for Jungle Boy. This has been his best feud in AEW. Everything that he was doing with Christian Cage and Luchasaurus. So for me, I'm pretty damn stoked about this. I'm cool with this. I'm excited about it. And I can't wait to see Jungle Boy uh, get his win over Christian Cage and kind of, you know, go on from there and eventually, you know, go after that bout. You know what? I think it would be freaking great if eventually um, Jungle Boy, uh, I know we're still a little too far from this because I'm assuming we're going to get Wardlow defeating Samoa Joe at revolution i'm assuming he's gonna defeat him and so then i'm thinking you know it's gonna be a while he's gonna have to hold that on for a bit but i wouldn't mind it if jungle boy is the one who eventually um you know takes that title away from wardlow but who knows because there still would have to be a lot to happen uh you know they're both baby faces right now so it there would have to be a lot you know to kind of happen in between there but i think that would be something that i would like to see down the line um but again we'll see because they're clearly pointing at you know jungle boy getting gold at some point um so you don't want to wait too long for that um you know get him those wins get him a solid win over Christian Cage, go from there, and we'll see what happens with all of that. Um, all right, so let's see what else we got here and see what people are saying. Um, Dante NYC says you have to start giving Brian Cage some wins. I'm just glad he's on television. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to be honest. I'm just glad we're seeing Brian Cage on television because we went such a long time without seeing him on TV. Um, so there you go. That's where we're at with all of that. Um, all right. We already talked about the uh, Fatal 4-Way Tag Team match, so we don't need to talk about that again. Um, really quickly, we have the Elite backstage, and they're pretty much chatting basketball. They're interrupted by Top Flight and AR Fox. They did have that really great match on uh, Dynamite. So they confront them, and they basically ask them to run the match back. And they're like, Nah, we don't really want to. So they pretty much denied their request. So then they're like, oh, so you guys just like to play with balls. You don't actually have any of your own. So that clearly triggers them. And Kenny's like, all right, let's have this match at Rampage. And so they're going to be doing this match at Rampage and running it back. I'm cool with them running this match back, man. Uh, it was a good match. It's Rampage at a special start time. Uh, let's be real. There's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to you know, that maybe weren't planning on tuning in because of the special start time. Uh, it's going to be on a lot earlier. So um, having this match, I think, is definitely something to, uh, you know, get people interested in actually tuning in at the special start time for Rampage. Actually, kind of really like the card for Rampage. So we got uh, Daniel Garcia versus Ricky Starks. I hope it's good. Um, the Elite and Top Flight and sorry, the Elite versus Top Flight and AR Fox. We're going to be seeing that grudge match between Dustin Rhodes and Swerve Strickland. I'm expecting that to be good. And Jade Cargill is going to be taking on Verts, Vert Vixen. Um, I've gotten to see Vert Vixen in the past, and she has a lot of fans for sure. I'm not expecting to see Jade Cargill lose to Vert Vixen, but I think that's definitely a fun little uh, matchup that they're doing there. So this Rampage card does not look bad. I think they definitely stacked it for, uh, you know, the special start time. All right. And um, our rig says not sure if they will get less viewers because of the start time. Well, think about it. I mean, it's 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Most people work nine to five. And if you're driving someplace, 
you probably and you're in, you're probably not going to get home right away, you know. Um, so maybe people will watch later. I don't know. And then you know, in the East Coast, it'll be seven o'clock. I don't know what people do at seven o'clock. Guys, I have no idea. I know that my life revolves around wrestling shows. So uh, if the wrestling is on, I will be watching. So I feel like I don't know anymore what nor what no, what people whose lives don't revolve around wrestling um, are going to be uh, planning on. But realistically, I'm just thinking about like just speaking for people in California. If you're working nine to five, you're already like an hour late for Rampage, but you can watch, you know, later on. And then again, it's a Friday. I don't know. It's just, it's not necessarily a great, you know, time slot for people that, you know, are out doing their jobs and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, so I don't know. I'm for when I'm happy though. I'm so freaking happy that it's going to be on at four o'clock because that means my post show is going to be at seven, which means that by eight o'clock, I'm going to be done with my work day, which means I'm actually going to have a Friday night uh, to enjoy. So I'm very, very stoked. In fact, I wish that Rampage was on every single Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time because it would make my life just so much better. But whatever i'm just being selfish um all right so let's see what else oh our rig says she just missed the point there are already so few people watching rampage i'm sorry i didn't mean to miss the point here but um <laughs> anyways all right let's move on from this and let's get into uh we already pretty much talked about this already, but Hangman Page defeats Kip Sabian. This was pretty much a whatever match. I didn't really care for this match at all. We need to talk about what happened afterwards. And we kind of already did, but um, basically we have the BCC confront Adam Page. And um, he is basically, John Moxley reminds him that he beat him, that he has his number, and tells him that there's no chance in hell that he's going to beat him again. And... Uh, them clear we already knew that this match was going to happen at revolution we just didn't know what the stipulation was going to be this then leads to the dark order coming out because john moxley said that hangman page had no friends the way that he does so hangman page uh you know the dark order comes out but there but hangman page doesn't really want their help but evil uno gets in his face and says we're still going to help him out so this is going to lead they officially announced a match between John Moxley and Evil Uno. I think they announced that for next week's Dynamite. Yes. And then John Moxley challenges Paige to a match at um, Revolution for in a Texas death match. So we're officially know the stipulation. Texas death match, Adam Page, John Moxley. Um, I can already tell you, I think we need to see Adam Page get that win. Um, I, I don't want to keep seeing Adam Page lose to John Moxley. And I think that they were saving that for the pay-per-view itself. So I am expecting to see Adam Page get a victory over John Moxley. That's definitely um where I'm at with all of this. And right now, honestly, it's one of the matches I'm most looking for. Well, I'm really looking forward to. MJF and Brian Danielson for the simple fact that it's going to be, you know, 60 minute match. I'm looking forward to Samoa Joe Wardlow. I think that one's going to be really good too. And I am looking forward to this match, Adam Page and John Moxley in a Texas death match. The fatal four way for the tag team titles. It's really going to depend on the teams that they officially announce and who's in it for me to really be excited about right now. I'm not excited for it really, but anyways, um, so good thing that we officially have the matchup that's going to be taking place at a revolution between Paige and Moxley. Um, finally, the main event, guys. Oh, man. All right. I really wasn't a fan of this, to be honest. I, I So it was Tony Storm versus Ruby Soho versus Britt Baker. Um, I didn't like the start of it either. So Soraya attacks a fan. Uh a fan we're supposed to buy that, you know, she attacks a fan, drags her in there and, you know, gets her hands on her and this and that. First of all, it's 2023. Ain't no one buying this. Ain't no one buying the whole, a fan gets attacked. Oh my God. Whatever, right? So that was my first little like annoyance with it. I'm like, it's 2023. Unless you're six years old, ain't nobody believing this, right? But then to me, it's little things, guys, little things. Let's just, let's just, pretend we all bought this let's just all pretend that we all bought that that Soraya attacked a fan especially Ruby Soho so Ruby Soho is supposed to come out and uh stop 
stop Brit and and I'm sorry, stop Soraya and Tony from attacking this fan. Ruby Soho comes out and she walks. She walks. Okay, if there is a fan being attacked and the baby, the, the quote unquote baby face is supposed to come out and uh, you know, save the fan, you would hope she would come out running to put a stop to it. And she didn't. She comes out walking like it's no big deal. Um, I'm sorry, but that little thing really, really irked me. Um, I thought that the whole start of this was totally cringe um, because, again, it's not something you're going to buy. And then secondly, Ruby Soho is supposed to come out here, you know, make the save for the fan, and she just walks out there. So then because she did the walking and we've been trying to figure out whose side she's going to be in, uh, she's been Switzerland right now. From this, based on this, I am thinking she's going to side um, with uh, Soraya and Tony Storm. Now, for the actual match itself, um, it was okay. It was a simple little match. Uh, I didn't think it was, like, great by any means, but it was fine. It was fine. Um, we get a moment where um, we have both Tony Storm and uh, Britt Baker have a submission locked. Both each have a submission locked in on Ruby Soho. Soraya comes in and she breaks it up. I didn't like that part. I didn't think it necessarily made sense either to do that. Um, and then Tony immediately goes to the outside and she hits a DDT to Jamie Hayter. And then finally Soraya goes in. She spray paints um, Tony's behind and then tony ends up doing her hip attack on um on Britt baker and then ruby soho goes in and she steals the victory from her and she rolls up Britt and she wins so you could see like you could kind of see it both sides like you can see her going like well she threw her out she stole her victory because afterwards soraya was super pissed about this and they were both yelling at her and yelling in her face i think this was done to kind of throw us off because i am thinking that ruby is going to side with Soraya and Tony Storm. So they're both yelling and, you know, getting in her face and this and that. And she's just over it. She doesn't officially pick any sides just yet. But I don't know. I think that a lot of what they did here was to kind of throw us off. And I do think she's going to side with uh, Soraya and, and Tony. So that's where I'm, I am with this one. Uh, my thoughts on the main event overall. Uh, thank you, Zeno Hour. Ruby Soho pulled a Jeff Hardy. Yes, I thought the exact same thing. When Matt Hardy was getting beat down and Jeff Hardy came out to help him and instead he's being beat up by like multiple guys and instead of like running out there to help his brother, he goes out there and he starts doing the dance and this and that and I'm thinking, bro, your brother's out there getting beat by multiple men and you're out here doing your dance. What? Okay. And now think about this. This was supposed to be a fan. This was supposed to be a fan, you know, and you would think that the person helping would come out and, you know, save the person, whatever. Dante NYC says Ruby gave no Fs, man, seriously. Oh my God. Uh, Dante NYC also says, not going to lie. Tony's hip attack looks like it hurts a lot. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that. Um, so there you guys go. That was AEW dynamite here today. Uh, the February 15th edition. Uh, let's see what else we got here. I'm going to read some more comments and then we'll wrap up the show. So uh, Matt Hensley says, there was basically zero crowd reaction for Soraya and the fan attack didn't help at all. She's not clicking with the fans, so I hope Ruby doesn't pick them for her sake. Um, I think it might help them actually to have Ruby on her their side. <laughs> I don't know how anymore, but I think it will. Um, but I do agree. The fans didn't buy this. Like I said, it's 2023. You're not, we're, we're all grown adults. We all know that we're, we all know that no fans going to get attacked unless it's like, you know, you know what I mean, unless a fan's getting rowdy and and then by then we get that. That's a totally different topic. But we just know that this was this was not something that was believable. So the crowd wasn't going to react to that. Uh, so there you go. That was my gripe with all of that. But we actually got a super chat from Heidi Ho. Thank you so much to Heidi Ho, who says, just showing some love, no comments on this episode. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Heidi Ho, uh, for sending in this very generous super chat. Uh, and you having no comments on this episode makes me want to know your thoughts even more because uh, you've had some hot takes here on this show. And, and those were on shows that I think that, you know, people actually liked. 
But this episode, I personally wasn't too big of a fan. So it makes me wonder, hmm, what's really going on inside your mind? But uh, thank you so much to Heidi Ho for setting in this uh, super chat. I appreciate it a whole lot. Um, all right, guys, that was the show. Um, again, this Friday, I will be here to talk about SmackDown and Rampage. And I will be going on one hour earlier than I normally do because Rampage will start at four for me. SmackDown will start at five. And by 7 and at 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, I will be live here on F4W. Before I go, please head on over to YouTube.com slash Denise Salcedo. Um, that is my YouTube channel. Uh, I did a prediction show for Elimination Chamber with uh, Simon Miller of What Culture Wrestling. Uh, that show was phenomenal. Uh, please go check it out. It was so much fun. Uh it was literally a one hour show that felt like 20 minutes. I'm not kidding you. It, I looked at the clock and I'm like, oh, snap, <laughs> the show's almost over um, because it completely flew by. On top of that, uh, this Saturday, I will be doing a watch along on my channel. And I'm going to be doing a watch along for Elimination Chamber. So I'm pretty stoked about that too. Because again, we got Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn. That's what we've been talking about. And I love doing the watch alongs. They're always really fun. We're literally just hanging out. So if you want someone to hang out with, if you're lonely and you need someone to talk wrestling to, I will be there talking your ear off. YouTube.com slash Denise Salcedo. And Dante NYC says... Sends in a super chat saying you read my comments a couple of times figured I'd show some appreciation. Thank you so much, Dante. I appreciate you for uh, sending in the super chat. It really means a whole lot to me. Uh, really, it does. Thank you so much. Um, all right, guys. Thank you, everyone. Have a great night. And I will see you back here on Friday. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>